Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Welcome to the Fix Your Sciatica podcast, where we meet with experts and clients and discuss how to manage your sciatica and low back pain without the use of medications or surgery. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Mack, and I'm a physical therapist as well as the founder of iFixYourSciatica.com, a go-to resource for pain management. If you're joining us for the first time, thank you for listening. And if you are tuning in again, welcome back. And lastly, if you find today's episode or any of these episodes of this podcast to be helpful or insightful, please follow and rate this podcast on whatever platform you're using. The more followers and ratings we get, the more we can help people like you. And without further ado, let's get started. If you were to go online and search the best stretches for sciatica, you will be presented with about 970,000 articles. You'll probably see some commonly used stretches such as the forward bend, the pigeon stretch, cobra stretch, but then a few pages down, you'll also be presented with stretches that actually make sciatica pain worse, which includes the forward bend, pigeon stretch, and cobra stretch. And so my question for you is, which article is correct? In the sea of information, how can we actually find out the best stretches for our sciatica pain? The truth is, the right stretches for sciatica will actually be dictated by you, not by an article found on the internet. And in today's episode, I'll actually help you understand how stretching can help out with sciatica. And we're going to cover one for the folks who want to get straight to the point on how to find the right stretches for relief. And number two, understand what a stretch truly is and determine if stretching or exercise is necessary for pain relief. If you don't really have time to go through the full episode today, that's totally fine. And so here's the answer to the first question. How do I know the right stretches for my sciatica pain? And you're going to have to look inward, aka looking in towards yourself and try out each one of these stretches and determine if you feel better, worse, or the same. Try out a specific stretch, and if it reduces your pain, reduces the size of your pain, centralizes your pain, or if that stretch just feels quote-unquote right, then that is the stretch for you. And then you can get rid of all the other stretches that increase your pain or have no effect in regards to how you feel. Yes, it is that simple. So let's define what actually a stretch is and it's to make sure that everyone is on the same page. If you search the definition of a stretch, the true definition is to elongate without tearing or ripping. That's it. Stretching is theorized 
to improve range of motion and maybe in fact, relax the muscles and provide some pain relief. It's all based on this little structure in the muscle fiber or muscle unit itself called the Golgi tendon organ, also known as the GTO. And so when a muscle is placed on a stretch, AKA lengthened, the Golgi tendon organ is actually going to detect that amount of strain on the muscle. And at some point, there's going to be enough tension and time applied to the muscle fiber itself or the muscle unit itself that the Golgi tendon organ actually just says, okay, that's it. I don't want this muscle to tear. And so it actually tells that specific muscle to relax. It is a survival mechanism as you definitely do not want to tear a muscle. The main goal with stretching is to increase range of motion. In fact, stretching is actually not the most effective tool at increasing range of motion, uh, relaxing a muscle or reducing pain. There's many other techniques that are actually going to be much more effective than taking a muscle and putting it on stretch. But before we figure out like what the best stretches are and some ways that solve this issue for sciatica, we have to again, reiterate what sciatica is. What is sciatica? And that is one of the reasons why you're listening to this podcast to learn a little bit more about your pain and how to solve it. And I've said this many times in other podcasts, other episodes and working with people, but I will continue to say this, that sciatica is irritation along the sciatic nerve. That's the definition. It describes where the pain is, but that's all it does. It doesn't say the course or the cause of the sciatica pain. And as a result, it does not dictate what should be done to relieve this sensation. The sciatic nerve actually originates up in your brain and then travels down your spinal cord where individual nerve roots exit the spine at the levels of L4, L5, S1, S2, and S3. These four nerve roots then converge to form the sciatic nerve what runs through or under your piriformis, depending on what your anatomy is. And then it travels down the back of your thigh. And then at the knee, it actually splits into the tibial and common fibular nerves. And then that common fibular nerve actually then splits into two other nerves, which is going to be the superficial and deep fibular nerves. And what that means is that it supplies motor and sensation to the backside of your thigh, as well as below your knee. There are many areas in which the sciatic nerve can actually be irritated. It follows a very long path. Most commonly occurs at the lumbar spine, AKA the low back, but it can also be affected at any other point from where the nerve formation starts to its actual final destination down at the foot. And so when working with practitioners, it is our responsibility to figure out the cause of your symptoms. And then from there, we can actually provide the right interventions necessary to provide relief. Could the intervention include stretching? Absolutely. But it might also not necessarily require stretching. We need to test and retest to make sure that whatever we're providing for you is truly working. The cause of sciatica irritation is actually going to be dictating the treatment and stretches and not the presence of sciatica pain. Let's be clear on that again. Um, I'm gonna say it again, uh, the cause of sciatica irritation is actually going to dictate the course of care, but as compared to just the presence of sciatica pain. 
And finding the right tools and interventions is going to be based on one major principle, which is going to be focusing on the things and positions that actually improve your pain and then to avoid or modify the activities that actually make the pain worse. So let's go into the various different causes of sciatica pain uh, and then also the correlating stretches. Uh, one of the most common or commonly heard uh, causes for sciatica pain could be, in fact, disc bulges. Uh, disc bulges, which could be something like a herniated disc or a bulging disc. These injuries are actually found often as a result of prolonged sitting and uh, a forward flex posture. The gel-like content of the disc is going to move towards the path of least resistance, meaning that if you're hunched forward for a long period of time, there is a higher likelihood that the contents, the gel of that disc can actually move backwards towards the spinal canal. It can impinge centrally on the spinal cord uh, and often presents with bilateral symptoms or symptoms on both sides. And in some cases, if you do have one-sided symptoms, that means that the disc is probably pushing out to one side more than the other. And this is usually a result of sitting or leaning to one side for longer periods of time. And so how can we actually determine if your symptoms are more related to a disc issue? We are going to take a quick break to tell you about our awesome new program called the Sciatica Protocol. If you don't have the time to see a professional, but are tired of trying to figure out this recovery on your own, then the Sciatica Protocol is for you. Harness the power of a knowledgeable physical therapist through your phone. It takes no more than seven minutes per day, and it is designed to help you recover as quickly as possible. Now, having an on-demand physical therapist can cost thousands plus hours of sessions. But with the Sciatica Protocol, you'll receive the same, if not better, customized care completely free. And why are we making this program free? Because I believe that everyone deserves to live free from pain without actually having cost be the biggest obstacle. It is simple to start and all you need to do is log into ifixyoursciatica.com forward slash the dash sciatica dash protocol and fill out the nine question quiz to begin. The link for the program is in today's show notes. So as I said before, the contents of the disc actually moves in the path of least resistance. So if we would have been towards the side of symptoms and you feel better as a result, then it's theorized, it's suspected that the motion itself helped push the contents of that disc back in towards the middle of the spine or in towards the middle of that disc um, or the AKA the original location of the disc itself. So if your symptoms improved with the standing backwards bend, or baby cobra, or if you were to lean towards the side of symptoms, then it could be likely that uh, disc herniation or disc involvement uh, is part of the problem. And so the dosage for any of these stretches, a backwards bend, a side bend, maybe even a baby cobra, the dosage for those, because they're active motions, we're looking at a total number of repetitions of around 10, and then see how it feels. Your body is actually going to de determine whether or not you need more or less of that specific stretch. And again, remember which stretches to manage sciatica, it should be focusing on reducing your pain. So if you're doing this and actually increases your pain, then that's something that's not for you. So let's look at what happens if you were to lean towards the side of pain, what happens for there? What happens there? So if bending towards the side of pain um, increases, 
or if extension or leaning back actually increases your pain, aka makes it worse or peripheral peripheralizes your pain, uh, meaning that it actually causes your pain to spread out, then you might actually be dealing with more an, uh, an arthritic issue, meaning that there's possibly some sort of bony overgrowth uh, in your spine, which can impede on the normal flow of the nerve roots of the sciatic nerve. And if that is the case, we are actually trying to focus on trying to increase the space in which the nerve exits so that it does not get irritated. And the thing about spinal arthritis is that this can actually happen even as early as age 20 and actually increases in prevalence or incidence as we age. Arthritis is a normal part of the aging process. However, some of us are more prone to developing more of a bony overgrowth faster than others. And that is totally okay. Um, and the situation is that if this is the case, then theoretically we should be experiencing relief with forward bending, aka touching your toes, or leaning away from the side of pain, more like a side bend. Anatomically speaking, these two motions actually in increase the space and freedom for the nerves to run freely. And the dosage for a stretch like this is going to be just like the other motion that I just described, which is going to be starting off with a set of 10, and then your body will dictate whether you need more or less of that stretch. Another bony area that can affect the spine include the facets. They are the surfaces in which two vertebrae uh, can glide and slide on each other. And in some cases, there can be degenerative changes, aka bony growths, resulting in abnormal motion or mechanics of these joints. And then as a result, the surrounding nerves can be irritated because of this. The key is to actually opening up the side and freeing the facet and allowing optimal motion. They usually respond best with forward bending, or leaning away from the side of symptoms. And again, the dosage itself should be about 10 repetitions. Now, I just described the stretches that can actually help impact the non-muscular structures that can irritate sciatica, which includes the disc, the openings of the spine, which is called the foramen, and also the facets. Other structures that can affect sciatica include the soft tissue, which includes the skin, muscle, blood vessels, and then actually the nerve itself. Oftentimes, tight connective tissues can actually result in nerve irritation. And in order for us to find the right stretch for the soft tissue, we need to know why the structure is tight in the first place. And tight muscles and structures and connective tissues can actually be a result of a multitude of factors. A muscle or tissue can actually be tight because of trauma. A nearby structure was hurt and the specific muscle actually will contract because it's trying to provide some sort of stability and protection. And so if that's the case, if your muscle is tight because it's trying to protect the joint, then us trying to stretch it out and us trying to relax that muscle isn't necessarily going to be the best idea. And so if you're in pain due to an actual physical trauma and your muscles are really tight, the key is to protect the joint or tissue and initiate pain-free motion. What motions are those? Only your body can determine that. A muscle can also be tight because it's placed in a shortened position due to posture or overuse. In essence, the muscle can get stuck in a shortened position and as a result, it prevents optimal movement, which can heighten the risk of pain. And in this scenario, it does not make sense for the muscle to be, uh, sorry, 
in this scenario, it does make sense for the muscle to be stretched uh, to return to optimal movement. We want more freedom. The stretch should be more so a vehicle in which motion returns and not the sole way to fix something. So a forward bend can also be helpful because it can stretch out the quadratus lumborum. And what that is, it's a muscle that actually connects it to from your pelvis to the base of your ribcage. And you can stretch the muscle by leaning away from the side of pain or a forward bend. And a usually a tight quadratus lumborum is often a sign of being in too much extension or being arched too often, overusing your back muscles. So yeah, a forward bend can in fact be helpful, but in order for, for us to prevent this muscle from getting tighter again, uh, or being in the shortened position for a prolonged period of time, we need to be aware of our posture and how we move. Because if we're using that muscle way too much, stretching is only going to be just a small band-aid to the big general problem. Muscles can also feel quote unquote tight. And that is often when a muscle can be stretched for a long period of time. It is literally hanging on for dear life to make sure that the joint doesn't fall apart. This is often another scenario where stretching wouldn't necessarily make the best decision. Uh, an example could be found in the piriformis muscle. And so the actions of this piriformis muscle, which you may or may not have heard about throughout your research for sciatic pain, but the piriformis has a couple of different main actions. Um, one, uh, it's to focus on externally rotating the hip in, uh, at the neutral, aka zero degrees in standing. And it focuses, it's dressed as an internal rotator when the hip is flexed past nine degrees, aka when the knee comes up towards your chest. And so I've seen countless people spend minutes upon minutes uh, trying to stretch out the piriformis with little to no relief. Uh, however, if we were to look at the majority of these folks stretching out their piriformis, aka via the pigeon stretch, uh, it might be that we might be stretching a muscle that is already stretched out. And so will that muscle relax when we try to stretch it out and put it under tension for a long period of time? Yes, it really has no choice because that GTO, that Golgi tendon organ is going to tell that piriformis to relax even more to let that muscle stretch out. But will it make you feel any better? Well, if you have to keep doing a stretch on a daily basis with only just a little bit of relief with no change, I think there could be a better alternative. That means that you have to figure out why is this muscle being stretched in this position for a long period of time. So if you're standing up, take a look at your feet, look down, and you want to ask yourselves, what am I seeing? Are your feet turned out? And if your feet are turned out, it's most likely that the piriformis is often overstretched and a best and a stressed out performance can place undue stress on the sciatic nerve. And the way that you can actually address something like this is if your feet are turned out, you can simply actually turn your feet straight forward so that they're pointing straight ahead. Now, with the development of shoe technology and heels, uh, oftentimes I would recommend instead of having your big toes pointing straight forward is making sure that the inner edges of your feet are facing forward, which allows you to have proper or optimal alignment of your feet. And so the last scenario in which a muscle can feel tight is when the overall system doesn't feel stable. And so what does that truly mean? Let's use an example. Um, take for example, postpartum women. 
uh, after spending uh, nine months growing a baby, the abdominals, pelvic floor, hip, and back muscles have stretched out to allow for carrying and birth. However, a fair amount of women's muscles do not just bounce back post giving birth to a baby. In fact, there's a fair amount of new mothers who are unstable in the core, pelvis, and hips. And then as a result, the muscles of the pelvic floor, hip, and back will tighten up so it can protect the body and the structures. It's a natural response to creating stability. And trying to stretch out these specific muscles to relax will only further create more instability, which will lead to an increase in stress and pain. In scenarios like this, it is actually important to address creating more stability rather than trying to stretch and elongate muscles that are holding on and trying to create some form of artificial stability. And so I just described four scenarios in which muscles will feel tight and the corresponding stretches with them. But we have to determine why are these muscles tight in the first place? What is the causes? How do we determine if we're falling into one of these four categories? And in order for us to do that, we need to take a systematic approach and start with one body part in motion at a time. So if your pain is influenced by spinal motions, stretching the muscles in your butt or your hamstrings could help, but will most likely provide temporary relief. My recommendation is starting at the spine first and then working your way down. Find the positions and stretches that help you the most, and then implement the stretches that can provide you the most amount of relief. Stretches elongate muscles, blood vessels, skin, and nerves. The typical stretching dose is going to include at least 90 seconds of holding a specific position. But interestingly enough, when you stretch a muscle or joint, you also stretch out the blood vessels, which can actually reduce blood flow when stretched. And so not just to the muscle blood flow, but also reducing the blood flow to the nerve. So if you have an irritated nerve, the sciatic nerve, then we have to ask ourselves, does it make most sense for us to stretch this nerve and deprive it of blood? And the answer is probably not. And so the alternative to stretching, holding a position for a longer period of time is the concept of using active motions. So instead of holding a stretch for 90 seconds, try and move it in and out of tension for about 90 seconds at one beat per second, and you're gonna get better blood flow, you're going to experience some improved range of motion, and it's going to feel less tight. And you're also going to make it a lot easier on your nerves that are activated and irritated. It's a technique called flossing, and you can apply it to your joints, you can apply it to your muscles. It's applying tension and the releasing. Simplicity is key. And if you can base your movement choice, your stretch choice, your exercise choice on how you feel and how you react to each movement, there is going to be hope for your recovery. And the great news is that practitioners like myself can actually speed up the process to helping you find the right positions for your relief. Because when you're working with a uh, professional, you're getting speed and results, which is going to allow you to live your life to the fullest capability. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. 
Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider.